You're listening to episode 37 with Jasmine Paul, founder of Create Finn Stew. Hello, darlings, and welcome to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast with your girl, your host, Portia Scott. This podcast is on a mission to inspire and empower you to take your life off autopilot, optimize the power of your uniqueness, and execute intentionally in every area of your life. Are you missing your daily dose of inspiration and empowerment? Don't worry. Wake Up and Show Up Live has you covered. We are bringing you tools, inspiration, and empowerment to take your life off autopilot, optimize the power of your uniqueness, and execute intentionally in every area of your life. We are live Monday through Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. You can find us on all social media platforms at I Am Portia Scott and on YouTube at Wake Up with Portia Scott. We want to keep in touch with you beyond this podcast, and now we can by text. If you text the phrase wake up to 31996, you get a dose of encouragement. We'll notify you when a new episode is available and all the cool things we have going on around here. Text the phrase wake up to 31996. Hello, darlings, and welcome to this week's episode. I am so, so, so excited for our house guest today. So I met today's house guest at a podcast conference called PodFest, and she was just a ball of energy. Um, and I don't even remember how so many of us kind of flocked together, but it was kind of like this big thing where in the podcasting world, uh, you don't often see a lot of black women or black podcasters. And I think when we saw each other, the energy was just right. We were just like drawn to one another. And um, we ended up having dinner that night and just keeping in touch with each other. And one of the things that she talked about was how she paid off her debt and how she had helped other people do it. So I wanted to hear all about that and I wanted to bring her on. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about our house guest for today. Um, she is the founder of Create Finstew, a fintech startup transforming finances creatively. After purchasing her first house at 23 and paying back $37,500 in student loans by the age of 24, she realized her niche for creative financial wellness. She has served 38 clients and coached through the elimination of over, listen to this, $188,000 worth of student loan and credit card debt. She is the host of the Find and Sustain podcast, where she aids leaders in finding the truth and sustaining purpose. She also holds a Bachelor's of Arts in Communication and a Master's of Science in Entrepreneurship. Jasmine launched her first book, Set Your Truth Free, a 20-somethings guide to living a truth-filled life, and shares a special chapter about the dreaded F-word finances. She is in the business of helping others find the truth while sustaining purpose. Please welcome today's house guest, Jasmine Paul. Yay! <laughs> Jasmine, thank you so much for joining. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm waking up and showing up, Miss Portia. <laughs> and you showed up too. You guys got to see these curls. Her hair looks so amazing. I told you she's a ball of energy. So this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
So Jasmine, one of the things that we always ask everybody who comes on the show is what are you grateful for? And I know this is, it's a hard time. It can be, it's overwhelming, it's stressful, it's new, but I think we can always find that glimmer of hope. And so let us know, what are you grateful for today? Um, I'm grateful that I woke up this morning and God gave me a new mission for the day. Um, we have so many people who didn't get the opportunity to wake up. And so the mere fact that we are here, that means that we have a purpose and a mission to serve. I love that. You know, I think that so often we would say that, like, I'm so grateful that I woke up. I'm so grateful for the breath of my body. And I think we always meant it, but now it means more so than ever. Like, we're so grateful that we literally woke up, that, you know, we were not sick and, And so it's just, yeah, I love that. And I love how you said God gave you a new mission for the day. It's kind of like that daily bread, right? Every single day. I love it. So you are the financial guru. I want to go ahead and dive right in it. Um, We are recording this episode on April 29th, but stimulus checks, I think, have gone out like a couple weeks ago. And so hopefully people got good advice on what to do, but I want to know, girl, what did you do with your stimulus check? (laughs) So I broke it out into three different categories. So I tied the first 10% of the check. Um, I invested 20% into my business. I donated uh, 5% to a nonprofit organization called Equip Her. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a organization to mentor young high school girls. And then um, I invested the rest into my rental property for the cash reserves. Oh, that's so good. And I know a lot of people are saying, man, Jasmine, that's amazing. You know, I think one of the reasons why she's able to capitalize on extra income or discretionary income is because you are debt free. But there's some people that are saying, girl, that's not me. (laughs) That's not me, right? Like I have debt or I have to, you know, figure something out. So what is like one piece of advice that you would give, you know, to our community, community, just about what to do with their stimulus check if they did get one? So um, I always like to look at the finances. So before we even have this extra income, we need to look at the income that we were blessed with prior to this new blessing, right? Mm -hmm. We need to dive in and figure out where our money is going. Because if we just add this additional income to what we already have, we don't know where our money is going, then that money is just going to go out the window. Um, I would personally, uh, for me, I use a huge chunk of it for my savings for the rental property because I just know people are losing their jobs left and right. I can't assume that my tenants are, um, they're protected from that. And so I recognize that. So I, I have to put that money away. So I would encourage people put the money away for a rainy day. The whole purpose of the CARES Act was for emergency assistance for uh, people and small businesses. So it's emergency assistance. It's not, you know, to go out on a shopping spree. It's not for that. It's for emergency assistance. So that's what, but definitely taking a, a look at your finances for sure. I love that. I love just your holistic approach to finances and saying like, there's not one piece, but what I would say is because it's an emergency, put this in kind of your emergency account, especially for those who are working, right? Who haven't been laid off or, you know, their hours haven't got cut. So this is actually something that you could put in just for the months to come and whatever else may come up. So I absolutely love that. So let's just jump right into your story because I think it's amazing paying off 
any amount of debt. Um, it's hard. It takes focus. And I don't care if you make 20000 or 200000 When you look at it, it really is about like discipline. Absolutely. And knowing your finances. So what caused you to kind of start this journey? Because you were so young and I can only imagine you're like, I'm making this money. I could do this and this, but you were disciplined to pay your debt off. Yeah. So I guess going back to the whole story. So that was just part of the story. Um, I went to college, was on scholarship, um, but I had a significant amount of debt because my scholarship didn't cover room and board. And um, I believe it didn't cover a few fees. And so I accumulated the debt, debt because um, of the other fees and, and things that weren't covered. So when, as I was graduating, I want to say maybe six months prior to graduation, one of my friends actually purchased a property. I found out that he purchased a property for about $17,000, $18,000. It was not like a great house at all. It was just this kind of like rinky-dink house, but he was renting out the rooms of the um, of the house to his fraternity brothers. And so I was like, wow, that's like really smart. And he's in wow. college, you know? And so when I thought about his story, I was like, wow, one day I want to be able to do that. So fast forward, me graduating, getting my first job. Um, I was excited. Like any other college student who just graduated and got their first paycheck, they're like, whoa, money. But I was in debt. And so I remember calling the student loan provider and them telling me it was going to take this crazy amount of time to pay off the debt that took me about three and a half years to actually accumulate. And I just, to me, it just didn't make sense. Like, I felt like this was a challenge. Now I was like, okay, now I'm challenge accepted. It's time for me to go to work, you know? And so when I looked at 37500 I was like, okay, how can I strategically pay this off? in a way that I'm not just eating ramen noodles every day, but I'm also able to, I could see the end. And so I started being really, really creative in paying the debt off. Um, I did do, uh, join um, Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey, and I was walking through the courses and he was talking about this gazelle intensity of paying the debt off aggressively. And so, so often we're so okay with the debt that we don't ever pay it off because we're okay with the revolving right. balance. You know, we're okay with just paying the minimum payment. We don't realize that that minimum payment, you're accruing interest over the course of time. And you might be paying more interest than you are the principal at the end of the day, which is not okay. Yeah. And so I, so I really took a, a leap of faith and um, I had about, I want to say about 10000 to $12,000 saved in my um, savings account. And it was because I had roommates. Um, I had two other roommates. Our rent was $1,200. So I was not paying a lot in rent. Um, I was limiting my expenses tremendously. So Jasmine, I just want to ask you something really quickly with the two, you said two other roommates. Yep. Um, so did you own that home or were you guys renting an apartment or a house or something like that? This was renting the apartment. Okay. Okay. And then, so I'm sorry, I'm like rambling my bad. <laughs> no, it's great. I just know that part. And so I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I was prior to buying the first property, um, I was renting um, this apartment in another state. And um, I saved up this pretty big nest egg. Right. But what I guess I didn't realize was I had this crazy amount of savings, but I also had this astronomical amount of debt. And so I really took a leap out of faith, paid down the debt, and then started aggressively paying the debt off. 
until 24. I had no more debt. Um, I did wow. purchase my first property at 23. And I thought about my friend in college who rented out his room to his frat brothers. And I was like, okay, I can do the same. And so I rented out the room. They paid my mortgage while I paid the debt off. That is so good. I love it. I love one of the things you said was just talking about revolving debt, because I know growing up when I thought about debt, I always thought about bad debt, right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily like just your revolving credit cards. And I think sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm fine. Like I don't need to pay it off because I have a good credit score. I'm paying my bills off at the end of the, at the yeah. end of the month. But I think what you talk about is even if you're paying them off, like it's still, you still have this debt associated with it, right? So even in a situation like this coronavirus, like your bills, I mean, there's a lot of people that are putting things in place to protect people. If you didn't have any debt, like that just takes off a whole bunch of stress. Absolutely. It's a burden that's lifted. So now I, so I just use the money that I did towards my payment I use that for other things now. So I use that money for investing in my business. I use it for investing in other stocks because I don't want to ever go back to that situation. Um, and God forbid, I, I won't. But I think it's a time for people to really just take a, an analysis, a, a really hard look at your finances and why you got there. Why did, how did you get there? Um, I think so often we want these like quick fixes of like putting a Band-Aid on it. And we really need to dive in to why we got to this place in the first, right. you know, like for me, it was because of school. I went to school and I had to pay for school. What I didn't mention was that the student loan companies were giving me a refund check. And so instead of giving the money back to the student loan company, I was taking that money and doing who knows where that money went. Why? Like who knows where the money went, but because they gave it to me now, after I graduate, now I'm having to pay back, you know, for things that weren't even maybe associated with my education. And so that's, you know, part of the reason why. And so I had to think about, okay, why was that? I had to really uncover those layers. I enjoyed traveling. Traveling was a huge thing. I remember going to London twice for spring break. Why? Why? <laughs> like, I didn't need to go to London. <laughs> but I like shoes. Oh my gosh. I, I used to buy like $100 pairs of shoes in college. What I do want to ask and put in perspective is that, yes, you paid off this amount of debt, but you were in the military at this time. So you're paying off this debt, but what was your around? You don't have to give me the exact number, like your annual income. Yeah. So people can look it up anyways. <laughs> I guess that's why I'm like really cool about talking about money. I won't tell you how much I make now, but um, back then it was about 32000 a year. Okay. So 32,000 a year. Wow. And then you're paying off this amount of debt. So I think sometime we look at them, we're probably like, oh, well, she probably was making six figures, but you were not, you were making like Pretty minimal. <laughs> yeah. It was not, if no. And that's the thing. I think people think that you have to make more money in order to obtain this wealth. And that's not true. Um, God gives us resources and we have to be good stewards over the resources that he's given us right now because if i could trust you with ten thousand, i could trust you with 100k and a million but if you right, can't right. steward over that 100k or that ten thousand, then yeah it's not gonna work 
but yeah, I, th- I think that's really important to know. I think you went back to it where you talked about really behaviors and that discipline is that, yeah, you can make $100,000, but it is so easy to spend it. I mean, I have my hand up because like I can tell you how much stuff that you've purchased or, and it doesn't even have to be like, oh, I'm flossing. It could be like, we love to travel or it could be on the small things. So I think looking at that, what are these small things that you're doing? Like target runs seven times a week, like. Unnecessary. (laughs) But target will say they love it, you know, and they will (laughs) give you all the ads and I love target. Don't get me wrong. I have some target groceries in my trunk right now, but it's, about understanding okay how much does target need of my funds because we need to be giving that money to the future i always look at is this going to support future jasmine so that little five dollar whatever crap is not going to support future jasmine you know and so i think we recognize that our behaviors those daily behaviors are compounding so every time you make a decision not to save if every time you make a decision not to invest every time you make a decision not to learn more about financial literacy you are literally burdening your future you're burdening your future self you're burdening your future generation after you and so I always look at it now that I've learned more and I've been exposed to different things like oh wow I don't, maybe I can hold off on, on paying for that. Or maybe I can hold off on purchasing that because that's just not what I need right now. Right. I love that. I love that. So let's talk about, you know, what made you kind of create uh, or start create Finn Stew because you get out of debt, but then yeah. now you have this creative way to help people, you know, eliminate their debt. And so what started that? Yeah, it, it was actually through a conversation. Um, I always share this because it's like the light bulb went off. Um, But I remember I had paid off my debt. And one of my goals after that was to save $20,000 for the year. And um, I remember my friends looking at me like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, (laughs) how? You know? And so um, I was like, oh, you just do this, this, and this, and 20K. And so instead of looking at 20K as that big number, I was looking at it, you know, in small pieces. So over the course of 12 months, what can I do? And so how does this affect my budget every month? And so they were like, oh, wow. Okay. Like I can do that too. And literally it was a transformative journey with um, a few of my friends. They, they did exactly, you know, what I shared with them. They got creative in their own finances and they paid off their debt. And so it just, it was like a trickle effect. So they paid off their debt and then they told their friends and then their friends paid off their debt. And it was just like, all these different people were calling me like, Jasmine, we want to get out of debt too. And I was like, okay. And it was literally just like sharing this knowledge that I had. It wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't a business. It was just, I just want other people to be financially free, just like Mm me. Um, And it just kind of, yeah, just happened really. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. So you're just help going along, doing your thing, helping your friends, and then you create this uh, dynamic company that you have. And so I know I say it in the introduction, but I love to hear it again. So how many people have we helped and how much debt have we paid off? Yes, yeah, so 38 clients um, and we've eliminated $188,000 in student loan and credit card debt. 
Wow. And so one of the things you talked about was you used kind of Dave Ramsey's method of being gazelle intense. So you were making $32,000. And then was there anything else that you were doing or were you just using that funds from your main career? Absolutely. So I was being super creative. Um, So I started blogging about my personal finance journey. So about my story. And I reached out to different experts and asked them to blog for them. And they were like, yeah, no problem. I was not an expert. I I still don't think I'm necessarily an expert. I just feel like I I just have knowledge and I like to share it. Um, But they were paying me to blog and I was getting that money and then using that money to pay off my debt. So I was doing that. I was selling my furniture um, at the time because I had this pretty massive house. I mean, for a 23, I didn't, I didn't need all that square footage. Uh, so I thought when I bought this house, like, Oh, I'm going to go buy and purchase every, you know, every room is going to have furniture. And I had three, I think it had three living spaces, like living rooms. And so I had a, a sofa, like or a sectional for each space. And it was just too much. So I started selling that stuff on Craigslist. Um, I started selling different books that I had that I wasn't using anymore. Um, I was really like purging. Thread Up was a good one. That was back in the day when Thread Up was like, they would give really nice payouts now. Not so much, but the I still do Thread Up. Um, but I was like, I was purging as much as I could in order to pay off the debt very aggressively. So I got really creative. Wow. So we had talked before and I kind of was like, will this work for someone who say has kids, is married, is, you know, dual income. And so, um, and I know we talked about, you know, does this work for someone who, who is a family person that's like, girl, you had 37,000, I have 137,000, you know, they have a house, they have all of this stuff. So what is one of the ways that you kind of speak to those clients? Absolutely. So I I love my couples. They're awesome. I usually work with the female um, because we, you know, either we connected somehow, but um, I learned that with the females, they, they are super excited. And usually their husbands are like, all right, whatever. Like this is another thing that she's doing. And what I've learned in um, working with the clients is that they get super excited and they start being the example in their family as far as creating this budget, having meetings for the budget, really talking through why they have these issues with money. And then their husbands get on board. Like it might not be overnight, but usually over time, their husbands are like, wait, wait, what did Jasmine say about, you know, this? Like, what? wait, is that a smart decision? Like, what would Jasmine say? Mm -hmm. I'm not lying to you. And so it's, it's been really helpful. I've worked with clients who um, have kids, who have just recently married. I've worked with people who are divorced. And so it's all about understanding money. You know, it's, it's not necessarily about your situation. It's about understanding your behaviors towards money. What was it like growing up? Did I, how did I respond to money? Was money given to me as an allowance or was it, was it not given to me at all? Maybe your parents did have a budget and maybe they never included you in the budget. So now as you're an adult in a relationship or in a, um, in a, a marriage, maybe you don't even want to know about money because you never learned about it 
in uh, as an as a child. And so these are important tools that I think everybody needs to learn. It money transcends age. It, it has nothing to do. It does not discriminate. It's green. It's a currency. And so we have to realize, you know, what are what our what are our behaviors towards money and how we can do better. I love that. You know, one of the things about the women is that we're super excited. We learn something new. We're like, hey, 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 I'm going to, you know, do this. This is exciting. We're going to do that. And a lot of times men are like, show me the numbers, kind of show me the money, show me what this looks like logically. So when they see their wives getting excited, it's almost like, you're always excited. Like you get emotional about stuff, right? Because we're very emotional and not to categorize all women, but men are more so like, let me see the numbers. Let me see how this works logically. So when they're starting to see like that, wait a minute, you pay off how much? Now I could see the result of your excitement. So I love that. One of the things you talked about is behaviors. I am all about those behaviors and identifying our behaviors so we can lean into that. So talk a little bit about what you mean when you say, uh, I, I like to look at their money biography. Yeah. So think of a biography, just any type of biography. So people are talking about where they grew up, how they grew up. Um, They're talking about their home life. They're talking about what they represent. um, What are their values? What are their traditions? And so now you add in money. So are you generous or stingy about money? How do you practice giving or do you give? How did you learn about money? Who taught you, if anyone? And then what kind of risk are you willing to take or not willing to take? And so that, those are just a few questions that I would ask someone. Um, but I, it, it's, a, it's a lifelong story. So your money biography or autobiography doesn't just start and end with you paying off debt. This is something that is daily, that's always evolving. The, the Jasmine I was when I was you know, 37,000 in debt is not the same Jasmine now. Um, and so we just have to remember that, okay, what are these questions and how are they impacting my daily life? I know for me personally, because I had hoarded all of this cash, I was really struggling with even putting that money towards the debt because I felt like I was broke in college. And so I didn't want to go back there. I went to a financial counselor and she was like, it's okay. Like you can breathe. It's fine. <laughs> like, why would you hoard all this cash with a very, very low interest rate. And you have this student loan debt just growing and growing and growing. It's time for you to release it. You're going to make that money back. It's not a problem. Pay the debt off so you can get out of debt. And now you can take whatever payment you were working with. Now you can put that to the savings and you could probably save more and then save it in a less amount of time that it took you to grow it. And so just having those real honest conversations, uh, recognizing that my childhood had a lot to do with the way that I saw money, the way that I was behaving towards money, it helped shift my mindset and my behaviors towards money. Absolutely. I love that. One of the things that, you know, I always remember this particular interview that Will Smith had with Oprah. And um, Mm. I mean, he was a big star at this point, like he was making tons of money and she asked him, do you still worry about money? And he said, I still wake up in the middle of the night fearing that like it'll all be gone. And I remember that because like, obviously I'm not Will Smith, 
but I feel like my husband and I have created a life for us and for our children and have tried to do the right things and give and save and, and all of that stuff. And I still have a hard time. Um, and I'll tell this, you know, we had gotten our floors done, I think last year and at the bottom, we only did the bottom and the guy had, I, I, they quoted us like $6,000, right? Yeah. And so I think the first time they quoted us, it was, it was 4,500, but we have this space that he didn't measure. And mm-hmm. so we're out eating where I'm fine with the 4,500. 4, I had, you know, processed that in my mind and we're eat, we're yeah. out to dinner, <laughs> we're out to dinner. And he like throws this other 1,500, which we had a, we had a budget for it. So 6,000 wasn't out of that budget. But man, when he came back with that $1,500, Jasmine, I mean, literally I, I couldn't eat. And I was like, no, like, no, like anytime there's like a large portion of money, even though we had budgeted, I still kind of like, will. I'm thinking, but what if something happens? That's all my, always my thing. And my husband's like, but Portia, we have this insane, but it's never, or, and, and that's something that I always like pray about, you know, is that, cause it's almost to a point we, we had a conversation and we laughed and I was like, it was when the lottery was huge, you know, and I don't play the lottery, but I was like, what if I won the lottery? And he was like, you would need a defibrillator. He was like, because no matter how many millions you had in the bank, say you had 150 million, if we spent a million dollars, you would be crazy, you know? And so I say that because it does go back to my own money biography. And so asking those questions, and even as you were asking them, I'm like, I should be asking these questions to myself just to make sure that, yeah, maybe I'm not the spender, but I'm the hoarder. And if it's making me uncomfortable and causing panic, there's yeah. an issue there, right? So I love that. Absolutely. And that, I, I think that's, that's real. Like that, I was the same way, Portia. I was like, oh, I can't. I remember I had some things in my rental and I was like, oh Lord. But it was like, wait, you have this emergency savings. It's for emergency. <laughs> Pay the money. Like it's fine. Like you literally did this. You made those good behaviors and those good decisions over time to grow this amount of money. It's okay. Like you're fine. But I I remember a while ago, a couple years ago, where I had an emergency and I was just like, oh, but then it was like, oh, it's fine. It's not a, it's not a problem. And I think you were so right about prayer and incorporating God into, you know, your finances, into your life, because I think, not I think, I know he is He's the provider and he's sustainer. And so regardless of what happens, regardless of what is taken away or not, or not taken away, he will always provide for his children. He will always provide for his kids. And so I think that's why I'm not as stingy as I used to be with my money, because it's like, God always shows up. He always provides. And if I can just give him my best or give his kids, you know, his other children my best why not because to me that's how I serve that's how I can give back and so I I guess not necessarily had to get over it I went to a financial counselor so if you know an accredited financial counselor that would be a good person to talk to about that because they can really go into your money behaviors your mindset to really shift how you're looking at money, how you're looking at your investments and your savings and really help you get over those things. Yeah, I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. So what is your one mission for Create Fin Stew? 
Absolutely. So we are on a mission to transform 10,000 wallets, one heart, one mind, and one dollar at a time. So I, I love that. <laughs> I want, I want to help as many people out there about financial literacy. It's, it's so important. It's not just important to us. It is important to future generations. Like it's, I mean, I've heard an article the other day, I read an article the other day um, that for African-Americans, we are one of the few populations that are going to be worse off than our parents. And that's a problem to me. Like, I really, I really am bothered by that. As a right. Christian woman, I'm bothered by that, that we are, that that article even exists. You know what I mean? Like, I, so I just, with Create Pins Stew, I want to make sure that we are able to transform 10,000 wallets, one dollar, one mind, one heart at a time, like for real, because it's, it's not about the dollar. It's really about the heart and the mind. Because those behaviors, I can give you a million dollars, but again, if you're going to have a panic attack, you, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I want to really help transform the heart, transform the mind um, into being better financial stewards. I love that. I think that's one thing why I'm so like, you know, I, I love having people who talk about finances on the show um, because it's funny that, like you said, we are going to be one group that are going to be worse off than, you know, in your generation, worth, worse off than your parents, but we are the highest educated um, group as yeah. well, especially African-American women. And you think about our, what is it, $1 trillion? $2 trillion annually. How yeah. much is it? $1.2 trillion annually. So there was a survey, um, not survey, but an article by Nielsen um, that reported that African-Americans have about $1.2 trillion in spending. So we have buying power, y'all. So we have the opportunity to really do some damage in, in a lot of our communities and a lot of our spaces. Um, but we also need to understand that spending and, and what is it rooted in? we have $1.2 trillion worth of buying power, that power can be put to taking off debt and then being able to establish things in our communities and, and just flourish, right? And even if we don't see everything, for me, I'm saying my generation, even if we don't see everything, your generation will see it. My kids' generation will see it. My kids' kids' generation will see it. What is one thing that anyone anyone can do today to kind of start working on their finances? It's to look at them. <laughs> so something as simple as looking at them and not just through your bank account. Um, I don't have the, I was going to show you, but I have um, my statements on my credit cards and I, t I print off about three months worth of my statements and I go in with different highlighters, different color highlighters and I mark out, okay, What's for business? What did I use for savings? Or what did I use for giving? Um, what did I use for just my target runs, right? What did I use for my health and beauty? And I try to look at what are the trends over the last three months to see, okay, where am I trending? Am I trending high in health and beauty? Why is that? Well, for me, for the last three months, I was on the road before, you know, COVID-19. I was at PodFest where I met you. Mm -hmm. I was at a conference for my um, educational program that I'm in. And so I have to look at those trends. Okay, maybe that's not, yeah, they were peaking in those early months, 
okay, that's not a big issue. That's not going to be my issue, you know, May, June, July, when things are kind of slowing down for me. And so being able to address what's going on and really knowing what is happening to your money is so important. And so I say right now, look at your bank statements. Don't just look at it on your phone. I'm talking about really take the time, devote an hour to just looking at it and you'll be shocked. I do this exercise with every client, whether they work for me or they don't. And I look, we go and look at the statements and they're like, wait, I don't even know why I spent that much money. How did I spend that much money? Like we revealed one person we revealed, it was like $4,000 on just going out a month. And they're like, wait, well, how? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't spend the money. <laughs> you tell me. Tell I don't me. know. <laughs> but that was the thing. I mean, until you see it, in your face, you will never know. I had one client, he, he had some stuff going on. He was able to pay off 25% of his debt from the one phone call that we had. And then we, I had a plan for him to pay every, every month a certain amount for four months. He paid off his entire debt um, a month later. So what he did that I gave him four months to do, he did in the next month because it, what happened in his mind, he was like, wait, why am I holding on to this debt? I have the money. So instead of doing this, now I can just pay this off and now it's not a burden anymore. Mm -hmm. And so now I don't want you to just pay the debt off, but I want you to stay out of debt. And so we go through different exercises of walking through, okay, how do I stay out of debt? Where do I put my money? Like me, I never have... I'm just personally, I never have over $200 in my checking account at one time. I make sure everything is laid out. Literally, like everything goes and it's automatic. So I have, my giving is automatic. My tithing is automatic. My savings is automatic. Um, my investments are automatic. They're automatically pulled from the account. So $200 is kind of like, it's like my little buffer because I have money for groceries. I have money for my going out. I mean, right now I'm not going out anywhere. So that money is now going into my grocery bills. Cause I keep eating. I, I don't understand like why the dishes keep mounting up in the sink. It just, right. it bothers me for sure. It really does. But you know, so I'm able to adjust. And so for me, I have to, everything needs to go to its place because if, if it doesn't go into its place then I'm going to think, Oh, I have all this money to spend. That's and so Good. When you said two hundred dollars, though, I can't. I can't lie. I had like heart palpitations. I was like, "What?" You know. And so, in the grocery bill, I could definitely speak to because I'm like, "How are you kids eating all that? Like, where's it going?" And literally, they're eating. And I, and unfortunately, or fortunately, like I'm just not the one that's like, "You have to eat it." This whatever, like we are all going through a very different time. And if I'm dealing with it, they're dealing with it too. And I'm like, they're not overeating. They're fine. They're healthy. They still go outside and play. And, but yes, when you said $200, your girl over here had heart palpitations. Um, so the going somewhere, right? So the money yes. is going in different it's, places. So it's not like I just have $200. Just, it, it yeah. Not like $200 left over because my electric and my utility bills, they normally fluctuate, right? Mm -hmm. So even though like, let's say, I would say my average electricity bill is like $55. So 
sometimes it's 55, sometimes it's like 62. And so that extra money is now put into, you know, the, the utility bill. Yeah. Else that's kind of variable versus the fixed. Got it. And so if something happens, right, and you need it more than $200, you have savings that you're able to Absolutely. get to that is outside of investments. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So you that makes that. sense. Yes. Yes, that is not. I, no. I mean, I figured it was, but you know, just the initial like $200, I was like. <laughs> I just know me and I don't, I don't, I need to know like where the money is going. And so that $200, like people go down to zero. Um, I don't go down to zero. $200 is kind of my buffer just in case some things that are not fixed costs um, fluctuate. And so I'm able to yeah, I love that. I actually do love it because then you don't spend more because you have $200. So whatever discretionary things that you want to do, they have to fit within that $200. My so husband and I have a going out fund too. So I, I have everything is covered. Everything is covered. But the $200 are like the excess just in case something. But I have every if I could show you my my budget. I have like legit everything is named out, called out. The $200 is like, okay, it's somebody's birthday that I didn't think about. That's, you know, something's going to go a birthday Got card gift or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I actually went through financial peace too. And, um, and so we've been doing a budget for a long time. And it's so funny because at one point he was traveling, I think I told you he traveled internationally in like one year, I think he did like 40 countries and then I was here. And so we were budgeting ish, you know, like we knew what our regular stuff was. We're like that too. Like our hair, you know, the, the guy's haircuts, me and my daughter getting our hair done nails. Like we really do label it out as much as possible. Um, but I remember a couple of months, it was just crazy. Cause he was traveling. Like he'd be home for like Friday, Saturday and gone or Saturday, Sunday and gone. And so I remember at one time we were like, wait a minute, how many times did we go to target? Like did you buy this? Like, and it wasn't like we were in a bad place, but it was like without that budget, even no matter how much money you make or how less you make without that budget, it just funds will just like, we were literally one time we looked and like eating out. We were like, DoorDash is getting all of our money. Like, how is it that we're buying groceries and we're that money we're spending on groceries was going to eating out too. So we were doubling. So I, I, I love all that you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Just take a peek and take a look. And it, I feel like people are scared almost because they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to know, but I want you to know for the sake of you, I want you to know because we need to know, I mean, how do we work 40 hours, sometimes even more for a paycheck? And we don't want to know where our money is going. You work very hard to go to school and get your degree. And now you have this awesome job and career, or maybe you are working your side hustle. You have gigs. It's important to know where your money is going and, and how you're just not, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. What is one thing that you would tell Jasmine about finances? Like, you know, that, that, 15, 16, 20 year old Jasmine, what would you tell her about finances now? And if not you, a Jasmine, right? Someone that's getting ready to get out of college or high school and maybe their money biography isn't as clean and doesn't, they don't understand finances. What would be like one thing you would say to them? Save your money and take risks. 
because you're young. I, not to say that you shouldn't take risks as you get older, but I feel like as you get older, you're not not as spontaneous and exciting. It's like you have a family that you have to take care of. You have a mortgage. You got other. You got an IRA and a retirement. You have other things that are taking away from. Okay, now I need to really weigh out my options. But right. if you're young. Like, I, I'm really thankful I kind of just took the leap of faith and brought that first property because it helped me buy other properties, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and I feel like now, now I'm like, Ugh. like, as I'm analyzing and doing the numbers now, it's like, okay, you know, I have to make sure, I have to weigh out more things. Before, I wasn't weighing out anything. I was just like, oh, it's cheaper than uh, rent. So why not? You know, right. I, I wasn't really weighing out anything. I literally read a... Uh, what is it? Home buying for dummies book. I don't know if it was if that actually is a name, but I read it and I only read about four chapters. And I was like, oh, good, close the book. It's I'm good. I'm gonna go out and buy, get a mortgage. <laughs> like that's what it was. I would never do that now. <laughs> right, right. So save and then take the risk while you're young. And so in three years, where do you see Create Fins do? Halfway to the mission of ten thousand wallets, definitely. So. Definitely have served 5,000 wallets, um, securing contracts for high education institutions as well as prisons. I really want to get into the system <sighs> and talk about money. Yes, absolutely. It's necessary. It because, is. I mean, you know, what does that life transition? I know there are a lot of life skills programs and there's half, halfway houses and probation officers, but um, I really want to get into, you know, the system. And I, I pray about it. I'm like, okay, Lord. Somehow find a way. I just want to get into um, that place to really talk about money. Yeah. And then I want to speak at Essence Festival. Stop it. I do too. So listen, yeah, we need to listen, listen, listen. So now we just need to combine our faith together because yes. that is something I've been saying. Like this yes. is, you know, I'm just saying we're in the middle of this and they cancel Essence 2020. And so right. now I'm like, oh, since 2021 that's fine i'll do that so now it. we can come by can you imagine like i can also see it so i'm a big believer in painting the picture of what i want to see and so can you imagine us being there at 2021 we could yeah. even host a whole podcast right and like do it from the essence I, look we claiming that we speaking that <laughs> yes lord, lord you hear the prayers of the righteous come on let's yes. go I love that. Oh my goodness. Yes. We are going to be there and I am going to be like, Jasmine. I love it. And I can absolutely see you, Portia, just owning the stage, presence, everything. What? I can absolutely see that. So yes. It's going to be so amazing when they have us both there. It's going to be amazing. And we are going to be there. We're going to be yeah. there. Say you've served those 10,000 people. You've been on Essence. You're in the prison systems and doing everything that you ever imagined you would be able yeah. to do, what are you most proud of? I am most proud of changing the narrative. I'm so thankful for, number one, Christ coming into my life and just really transforming my heart and not having to stay in the situation that I was growing up and how I grew up. Um, that I'm able to change the narrative, not only of my story, but also the stories of so many other people. Like they literally can change the narrative of living paycheck to paycheck. 
what they saw their parents do, they are able to do something different. And so that is to me, that's life changing, you know, to be able to literally change the narrative. I talked, um, I have this, uh, feature for one of my programs where we talk about, um, I go into like the family reunion. And so, um, families can, uh, basically hire me to talk to their family for about 45 minutes. And we talk about money we talk about financial stewardship. And so being able to change the narrative and change the story, it's so important. And I, I share with my clients all the time, you need to talk about this, like talk about your testimony, talk about how God brought you through, talk about the depths that were really bad. There, there were some times where I slept on my friend's couches and I slept on, you know, the floor. Like that was a real life. That was my college experience. But praise God that he always provided during those times, but also that I'm not in that situation again. You know, I'm not in that situation anymore. And that now I can show other people, like you don't have to stay there. Like, absolutely I was there, but I didn't have to stay in that situation. And, and now that it, it's a totally different narrative, I'm able to shift it and change it. And so that, that's something that's really important to me. I love that changing the narrative. What a high note to end the interview. But Jasmine, before you go, one, how can we access Create Fins Do? How can we keep in touch with you and everything that you are doing? Absolutely. Yes. So you can um, visit the website at www.createfinstew.com. That's C R E A T E F. I-N-S-T-E-W.com. You can connect with me on Instagram at Jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E, like Paul, or you can check out the Find a Sustain podcast wherever podcasts are available. As always, we end every show with this declaration. Waking up is automatic. Showing up is intentional. Today, I will show up. Thanks again for spending time with me today and listening to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you never miss a show. Leave a five-star review and share with a friend or foe. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I am Portia Scott. Until next time, go impact the world. <laughs>